the reason I knew immediately that it was a compound fracture, one wasn't facing in the right direction, and when I put my hand on the back of my leg, through my pants, it was wet with blood. So, there we go. I'm Matt Hansen, filling in for Rebecca Huntington. You're listening to The Fine Line, real stories of adventure, risk, and rescue in the backcountry of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. This podcast is produced by Backcountry Zero, a project of the Teton County Search and Rescue Foundation to eliminate fatalities and serious injuries in the backcountry. You can support this project and the volunteers at Teton County Search and Rescue by making an online donation today. Go to tetoncountysar.org slash donate. This episode of The Fine Line is brought to you by Roadhouse Brewing Company, supporting backcountry safety in the Jackson Hole community since 2012. Located in the heart of the Tetons, Roadhouse Brewing Company embodies the authentic spirit of the West, where your word is your honor, quality is your craft, and adventure is rooted in your soul. For more information on Roadhouse and its town square pub and eatery, visit roadhousebrewery.com. Between late August and October of 2020, Teton County Search and Rescue received 13 calls for help. More than half of those were for people who'd fallen from horseback. Even though some say that Jackson is the last of the Old West, in those late summer days a year ago, more people were falling from horses than rain from the sky. One of those calls came on the afternoon of September 12th. It concerned two women, sisters from Texas, who'd been thrown from their horses at the same time while on a trail ride up at the historic Flat Creek Ranch. My name is Shauna Pruitt. I go by Munch um, from my brother and sister. They named me that when I was a baby. I'm from Texas originally. Um, I am a professional gypsy. So I've been coming to Jackson for about 25 years now. In the last three years, I've been working at Flat Creek Ranch up in the Gravant. Jill of all trades up at the ranch. So anything that's broken or need fixed or tweaked, that's my job. My name's Jamie Clark. Munch is my sister. I live in Spring, Texas. I design and build swimming pools. And I was up there courtesy of my sister for mine and my husband's 32nd wedding anniversary. We were just hanging out and enjoying uh, Jackson Hole and Tetons and Yellowstone. I really wasn't at the branch, but not even a few hours when all this went down. But it sure was pretty when I was there. Sitting in the shadow of Sheep Mountain, Flat Creek Ranch is almost completely surrounded by the Grovant Wilderness. The ranch lies just 15 miles from Jackson, yet it takes about an hour to drive there due to a very rough access road. Flat Creek Ranch does have a storied history because it is an amazingly fairy tale like valley up in the Grovant, but the whole place is totally off the grid. We have solar and generators that make all the electricity and gas stoves, propane, and uh, water comes straight out of Flat Creek. It's some nice tasting water that high up. History behind it is a rich aristocrat from the East Coast. Her name was Sissy Patterson, a socialite and heiress to a Chicago newspaper fortune who'd previously been married to a Russian count. Sissy Patterson met a cowboy working at one of the dude ranches that no longer exist, and he took her up big game hunting and showed her his favorite place in the world. Which was at Flat Creek Ranch. 
and they had a 15-year tumultuous relationship, strange. He couldn't read or write, wouldn't take a bath. And she was incredibly wealthy, with a reputation for being cantankerous, with a full embrace for foul language. In the early 1920s, Sissy built a lodge and several cabins. Then she used her connections in Congress to establish the ranch as a homestead where the Forest Service would build a road leading to and from the ranch. After Sissy's death in 1948, the ranch was a ghost town for about four decades. It wasn't until the late 90s when current owner Joe Albright, who is Sissy's grandnephew, renovated the cabins to bring guests back to the ranch. But anyone who comes up still has to drive that road. It's only one lane, so if you run into another car or another Suburban coming, somebody's got to back up, which is always interesting in the summertime when there's a lot of people coming up and down that road. On that 12th of September, Teton County Search and Rescue volunteers Keegan File and Lizzie Watson were tasked with being medical leads for the double horseback incident. Munch says the road's not that bad, but I would beg to differ. <laughs> I've driven on a lot of terrible roads, and it is definitely the worst road in Teton County. It's not maintained whatsoever. My name is Keegan File. I moved to Jackson about 20 years ago. I work in the emergency room at St. John's as a nurse and I uh, was brought on to search and rescue about six years ago where I can uh, you know, incorporate my medical practices with my passion for the outdoors. My name is Lizzie Watson. I work for Jacksonville Fire UMass as a fire captain paramedic and Keegan and I joined the team together so about six years. So I ended up doing a lot of medical stuff on rescues. Um, I've also done wilderness EMT. The things people do to come up, horseback riding, hiking, and fishing, or reading a book on your porch. So there's no internet, so which is nice. And you could be at any time in history, and that little place would be exactly the same. Between the people that you're hanging out with, the dinner, our drinks, it was just a really good, very, very relaxing time. Looking forward to getting up the next morning to go horseback riding. Slept great, got up had another great meal decided that you know that's all I was going to do with there was probably eat <laughs> and to be honest with you all I really wanted to do was go trout fishing fly fishing because it's something I've never done before so that was really all I was looking forward to I've ridden horses before so I was like well but you know we're all going to get on the horse and we're going to ride up to the four miles up and have some lunch <laughs> So it was a very interesting ride up. I was at the back of the bus. I have a tendency to be like the back of the bus. My husband was somewhere in the middle of the bus. We weren't even together. We got up to the very top. It was definitely a very slow moving trip up because of the steep and really areas where you're like looking down going, oh, glad the horse knows what it's doing. When we got up, had lunch, I know that on the way up, somebody had mentioned that they'd seen some bear scat that was really fresh. I remember Munch's horse was a little skittish, wanting to go across the, the creek a couple times. We had just purchased a horse down in Alpine. His name was Tom. And Tom is a halflinger. The girth of a draft horse, but a lot shorter. So kind of like a round football I was riding. <laughs> But he was new to the ranch. That was the first time I had been on him. So we did our lunch up there at the top, and we started on our way down. And like a dummy, my coat fell off the back of the horse. 
and I was going to get off and get it, but Munch said it was her job because that's her job to get people stuff <laughs> that falls off the horse. So I stopped my horse. She got off her horse, and I'd kind of rounded the bend, and everybody was pretty far up in front of us by now because we were talking back and forth. I really couldn't even see her because I'd kind of was around the bend a little bit. And I heard her, I just said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'm good. The next thing I know, I heard her yell it and go, Tom, no. And then the next thing I heard was her scream came flying around the corner and she was half on half off of the horse. My horse bolted. I did everything I could to stay in the horse. One of the other husbands had jumped off his horse and was trying to get mine to stop. And when I knew that I was going to bolt over the top of the horse, I kind of grabbed the horn and did like a slow controlled roll off, but then landed hard on my left shoulder. And Munch was so unbelievably calm. It was kind of nuts because... I remember laying there and thinking, okay, I've just knocked the breath out of myself and I can't breathe. And she's already on the radio going, um, we got a man down. We need stretchers. I've got a compound fracture. We need people up here right away. My sister's down. I don't know what kind of shape she's in. And I, all the time I kept thinking, how's she being really calm? And she's saying she's got a compound fracture. Well, like Jamie said, it was a beautiful day when we went up to, you know, the to have lunch and all that and came back down for whatever reason tom bolted and threw me i came off so i hadn't actually got on the horse i had one foot in the stirrup starting to get you know swing my leg up and over to get on when he bolted so i stood up somehow in the stirrup and then came off backwards and either hit a tree with my leg the way it broke or i just came down on it so hard that it broke but for the most part, it was facing in the right direction. I was thinking for a, a few moments when I stopped rolling. First, I was like, my hip is dislocated. And then I was like, no, you're not dislocated. And I was like, well, maybe I just twisted my ankle and I just need to stand up on it. And so when I went to go and stand up, it didn't do what it was supposed to. <laughs> Luckily, from years of training, uh, safety much kicked in. Before I was a professional gypsy, I was a sailor for 20 years in the oil and gas industry. So we had training every three years. You had to get, get dunked in a helicopter and get killed and all that kind of good stuff. When I got thrown from the horse and realized that I wasn't walking anywhere, like I said, I had radio, you know, I knew we were going to need search and rescue. So but what was interesting is because I've had multiple, multiple dislocations on my shoulders that's very, very painful. A break like I had because of the immenseness of the break, the body went into shock and it wasn't painful at first. It went numb, which I was thought was very interesting that it was numb enough that I could straighten things out. I could think about the next steps that needed to take place in order to get me out of there because I wasn't going to be walking anywhere. Well, I remember that was one thing you said to me was that when you looked at your leg, it was very deformed uh -huh. and you just straightened it right back up, <laughs> like without thinking twice about it. Uh -huh. I thought it was pretty impressive that you straightened it out yourself. 
one of the other husbands come running up and he came running up to me and I said, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Go check on her. She's in more pain than me. And of course she did the same thing. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Check on my sister. So I could hear her talking, sometimes screaming, but she was in tons more pain than I was. Um, my husband was trying to round up horses and get everybody. And then he got to me and I still didn't make him go to her and the four of them loaded her finally when they got a stretcher up to her they loaded her onto a stretcher how my husband and the three other men carried her down as fast as they did is amazing especially because there was two really tall guys and two short guys (laughs) but my husband the former drill sergeant marine kept them in like a cadence and kept making them flip sides and putting her down and you know so they could get her down i know that the ranch manager made it up to me and at some point i just looked at him and i said i'm not waiting and i put my hand on my shoulder they stood me up and i said i can do this i can walk this out i can walk out of here and he goes you're crazy but let's try it we did me and him and another person we walked all the way out with me just hanging onto my shoulder because it was probably in about six pieces is uh how bad my shoulder was shattered but they said i walked out of there probably about a mile and a half a little bit more yeah i guess because it was numb enough and knowing like that muscle memory from years of training does kick in i knew i was going to be going into shock sooner than later. I knew I wasn't bleeding profusely, which was hugely nice to know that I hadn't hit any kind of vessel. The reason I knew immediately that it was compound fracture, one wasn't facing in the right direction. And when I put my hand on the back of my leg through my pants, it was wet with blood. So there we go. Brian Foss, a friend in town, you know, we had, we were starting to break splints before anybody else got up there. Luckily that year, they had a wilderness training course, and the Wrangler had all this first aid stuff on her. So she was, you know, a little 23-year-old or so. She came up, and she kept her head, and she helped get it splinted, and we got it, you know, the initial splint going. And then by that time, we had a Trey Sharp, the manager of the ranch, had made it up there with a, a litter. Caught, yeah. Yeah, caught, little tiny yeah, thing. Yeah, it was more like a cot. Yeah, it looked like it was, it was yeah. from the 1920s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, army cot. It was like 18 inches wide, so they got me on that, and then we had some rope, and then we tied me to it so they wouldn't flip me out. Once they picked me up and started walking, it was funny. Because Brian and Scott were two tall dudes, and they're on one side, and my brother-in-law and uh, one of the ranch hands, Brad, were on the other side. And I was like, "Guys, y'all are gonna tip me out." So they rearranged, and then after that, you would have thought they had been working as a team for ages. I swear they went that mile and a half in 20 minutes. It seemed like they got me out of there so quickly. But by the time we got out of the wilderness, search and rescue was there with. The razors. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. first thing I saw. I was like, yes, I don't have to go down in the suburban. <laughs> that's what I was thinking, that or helicopter. Uh, so it was good that y'all were there so quickly. Um, well, I remember how impressed I was with how quickly you guys got out, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we thought we were going to have to come get you. Yeah, we brought the razors up to the ranch, but then I think we brought up some wheeled litters because mm-hmm. we expected we were going to have to wheel you out um, mm-hmm. on the trail. 
by the time we got to the ranch, you guys were already out. You were packaged up nicely with your legs splinted, you know, yeah. and bandaged. It was, yeah, you guys did a great job. This is the first time we had two razors. A razor would be a, it's kind of like a cross between a four-wheeler maybe and a Jeep. It's like a lifted go-kart with a much bigger engine, roll cage, lots of off-road capabilities. Put it this way, they're not a smooth ride on a bumpy road at all. They are a the crap out of you. But they will get you from point A to point B in a really quick time. Yeah. Razors have been, you know, huge in helping us get to rescues like this quicker. Whereas mm -hmm. prior, you know, we would have been driving up the road in a truck mm -hmm. or SUV taking it pretty slow and now we have this device that allows us to go up the road much quicker or driving um, up in a truck with a trailer behind it with ATVs on it yeah. and then driving ATVs can you imagine if we threw you on an ATV yeah, I would walk <laughs> <laughs> I tell everybody else like yeah it's kind of interesting we we walked and we hoofed it down or got carried then we had razors then we had ambulances I said so it was like a three-party process to get to the hospital but all, all within 15 miles. Yeah. yeah. If a rescue happens, the reporting party typically calls 911. And then 911 uh, will get on a phone call with uh, a few members of search and rescue that are on the board. They make a decision to dispatch or not dispatch uh, the team based on the situation. So then the entire team gets a page. In this instance, it said, you know, something along the lines of, respond to the hangar. It was two females. Like uh, a horse accident. Yeah, from that page that all the members get, we all go to the hangar, gather our equipment uh, that's needed for that rescue. So we had plenty of medical personnel on this rescue and grabbed our medical equipment, medications, some splints, a suck bag, which is a packaging device that we can put people in. I was put in it. <laughs> I know cool. we were uh, prepared for a wheeled litter. So we have a, basically a stretcher uh, with a wheel on the bottom of it that we can wheel down horse trails or bike trails, things of the like. And then we sent out initially two teams, two hasty teams, as we call them, which are kind of the first teams to leave the field. And we dispatched up to the ranch. Uh, obviously, we can make it up that road a lot quicker in our razors. Do you remember when we got on the canyon spot of the road and it kind of, you can see pretty far, started the driver, I don't know who it was, started to slow down and I go, punch it, Chewy. And he turned around and looked at me and I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay. <laughs> Because <laughs> the only place you can get going pretty fast, but it's hard ground that's not too rough. Because y'all got up there so quickly from the time I called. Because it seems like the time I called to the time I got off the mountain, it couldn't have been, had to have been less than two hours. Things just went so quickly, so you would hope by the book once you have an accident like that. Getting the stretcher up there, us getting me splinted down. You guys were already waiting at the barn to get up, you know, so for y'all to get the get the call and then get wherever together and then to be up there in two hours, let's say, still super fast. <laughs> what I was thinking about was exposing, seeing what we had, re-splinting. So we put your leg in a, a small vacuum splint and then we put you in a big vacuum splint just for comfort. Because mm -hmm. also I think you did have hip pain. 
Mm -hmm. It didn't look like it was out, um, dislocated, or it wasn't short or um, internally rotated. So, uh, yeah, we just put you in the vacuum splint and loaded you up and tried to get moving. Yeah. It's amazing, though, how clean it was since it was never exposed to the dirt and the everything because my pants leg and my boot protected it up in the wilderness so I didn't get it full because my hair <laughs> and everything else was full of pine needles and dirt and everything else but luckily the, the wound itself clean. I think it helped to keep it clean since it was in your boot and you basically realigned it mm-hmm. and so the bone wasn't sticking out and when we got there you know mm-hmm. we took your boot off and stuff it was already back in so. Yeah tip fib Compound fracture. Yeah. And the compound fracture means um, the bone came out of her skin. You can even hardly see the scar, but it's um, right there. It looks That's like impressive. I, yeah, it is. It healed really well. What I remember much is that there was a lot of spectators and a lot of people taking pictures of your leg. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have a metal rod. They pulled my kneecap off and they put a rod in there. And then they just let the fibula heal. With any horse injuries, sometimes mechanism of injury can create pretty significant injuries. I remember her clavicle being quite deformed and uh, pretty obvious that she had a, a clavicle fracture and therefore, you know, possibly some further shoulder injury. From a, my assessment, I don't recall thinking that she had a dislocated shoulder. I think I was probably concerned for some rib fractures and more of a, you know, lung injury, you know, a pneumothorax or something like that that would decrease her respirations, affect her breathing. For the clavicle, there's unfortunately not a ton we can do in the field. And really for all these injuries, there's not a ton we can do besides immobilize them. So if I recall, I put you in a sling and kind of helped immobilize the shoulder and then also gave you some medications. You probably don't remember this, but I told you I really don't like drugs. I don't <laughs> like taking any kind of meds, but I was willing to take the medicine, the medicine to make pain go away. Cause I do remember my ribs were killing me. It, in fact, I want to say it probably took the ribs the longest to heal more so than the clavicle. It seemed like I was never going to be able to take full breath. Like I said, it could have been a punctured lung, so just having some bruised ribs and a shattered clavicle. The the before and after pictures of the clavicle is really cool because, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy to think they took one plate, eight screws, and a bolt to put it all back together because it was in so many pieces. Actually, I also remember Munch having to convince you to take medications. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was like... We're going to be going down this very bumpy road in a razor. Mm-hmm. It's going to hurt. And you're like, I don't know. I think, I think I'm good. Yeah. Like, I highly recommend it. Yeah. I remember the same thing. I was like, man, these, these ladies tough. are crazy. <laughs> I was like, if yeah. I was them, I would be like, give me the medications yeah. and more. Yeah, I think though you all have more problems with your shattered clavicle than I will ever have with my leg because I had a clean break and got it operated on right away. They released her that night because there was the hospital was overrun but with accidents that weekend. Between COVID and the weekend, you know, the hospital was very small. It's amazing. The orthopedics in Jackson, and it's like, where else can you have a 
such a serious injury that we had and then they're like search and rescue like boop and then like you're in this amazing orthopedic hospital boop you know in a town of nine thousand people most towns this small wouldn't be quite so good <laughs> along with the same story of everything the gnarly road how gnarly the road is so my sister and my brother-in-law Ival had flown into salt lake rented a truck and then drove from salt lake and then they had driven it to the ranch. So sister came down in the razor. My brother-in-law, not that age is a big as a thing, but being a flatlander in cowboy boots, and my brother-in-law's 69 years old. So, you know, all of these combined, he carries me out on the litter, and then he has to watch his wife drive away in a razor, and then he regroups and gets their stuff. He gets in the truck starts driving down the mountain to get to the hospital. He gets a flat tire. Oh, no. no cell service, so he tries and tries, and this man can fix anything, but he cannot get the tire to drop. He can't get the mechanism, you know, where you have the to... Spare tire. The spare tire, mm. the little rod that goes in to lower the tire down. He cannot get it lowered. It's getting dust by this time, so he hikes up the side of the mountain to get cell service, calls the ranch trey sharp gets one of the vehicles comes down the mountain to ival in a vehicle they get the tire sorted out and then ival has realized he has lost the keys to the truck now so the only place he can figure where he's lost it is up on the side of the mountain where he made the phone call so he has to hike up again now getting very close to dark he finds the keys and then gets back down then gets in the car, finishes that horrific drive down, makes it to the hospital. They won't let him in because he gets COVID. His ordeal of just getting to the hospital is crazy. And literally, I walk out of the hospital. He's in the parking lot. And I'm literally holding my shoulder, walking out all by myself. He gets me in the truck. And not two seconds in the truck driving, I get sick. I get deathly ill i have now thrown up all over myself all (laughs) over the truck and because much has actually told me she goes y'all need to just go back up to the mountain and y'all just hang out there and let everybody wait on she's like i really 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 want y'all to go back and enjoy your time and when i got out and i actually thought okay we can do that i can just tough it out and we can do that but the minute I got in the truck and that little bit of movement made me deathly ill i looked at my husband i said when going back on the mountain, there's no way I can handle that road trip back up in the truck. The whole trip, everybody goes, oh, your, your anniversary was ruined. My anniversary was awesome. Um, my trip, my sister planned for us was awesome. It just ended uh, interesting. <laughs> it, uh, A little it, it, it's called life experiences. And um I wouldn't change it. You know, we might do things a little bit different, but probably not. It's crazy to think that there was probably only one stretch of that little trail that we probably weren't thrown off the side of a mountain, thrown into rocks, um, that was actually the horses even had enough room to even do a little bit of a bolt. There was only one stretch that was flat and it just happened to be right there. Or it could have been way worse. Way worse. If Tom would have spooked and run anywhere but where he did, 
it could have gone totally south. You know, I have a really good life. I enjoy it. A lot of people envy my life. And so I, maybe I was kind of gloating, like, things are so good. And then karma kind of bitch slapped me. <laughs> Said, no, here's your reality check. <laughs> oh, I just have a really cool scar. You always have to think about what could happen. I'm, I'm a pretty tough person. She's a pretty tough person. We bounce, we bounce pretty good. And I, I, I know, and she knows that, uh, you know, this is just one of those, as my son said, this is going to make some cool stories later at Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm Matt Hansen, and you've been listening to The Fine Line. This podcast is produced by Backcountry Zero, a vision of the Teton County Search and Rescue Foundation to reduce fatalities and serious injuries in the Jackson Hole backcountry. Find out more at backcountryzero.com.